Welcome to the HR Insider Podcast, where we interview some of today's top HR reps and human resource experts. It's time to elevate your human resource mindset. All right, welcome to another episode of HR Insider Podcast. Today I'm joined by Mike McGinnis, who is a consultant for the HR Policy Association and some of their nonprofit initiatives, mainly uh, jobopedia.org. Mike, how are you doing today? Hey, Dave, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about your, uh, you know, consulting roles that you're currently doing, uh, both for, you know, kind of the association and, and then what you're also doing for uh, the foundation, the nonprofit side. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've had this great opportunity to be called in as a consultant to HR Policy Foundation probably about a handful of years ago to take over their flagship initiative called Jobopedia, which is a free career advice uh, site dedicated to college students and entry-level hires really looking for just a straightforward answer to the questions that they have on their path to employment. Stuff that we get on the website includes, you know, should I take my nose ring out before an interview or I have a neck tattoo or visible tattoos? Should I be worried about that in interviews all the way up toward... I have an internship starting next week. What's the best way to uh, put my best foot forward? And then we have 30 Fortune 500 companies that have hand-selected individuals within their talent acquisition department to go on, personally read the questions submitted by early career job seekers, and write responses. And I know I'm a little bit biased when I say it, but uh, I really don't think that there's a better resource that's also for free available online to give actionable, insightful insight uh, about hiring because, frankly, it comes from the people that actually hire. Um, I also have the opportunity to work with their association, HR Policy Association, as their director of talent initiatives, and have been helping them spearhead a new effort that they've made with regard to better understanding the market that's available and surrounding the emerging software capabilities, incorporating artificial intelligence to improve efficiencies around the hiring lifecycle. Wow, that's incredible. That's amazing. All right, so you obviously have a lot of uh, access to high-level senior HR people at major corporations. Uh, Based on your current role, I'm sure that you're seeing some of the cutting-edge things that are going on in that space. You, You alluded to one in artificial intelligence. What are some of the things that you're hearing from HR departments in those leading companies from around the country that they're either innovating or dealing with on a regular basis? Well, like any department, especially at a larger corporation, you're always juggling a variety of chainsaws. Um, And so when it kind of boils down to HR in particular, some of the things that have risen to the top and are on the forefront of a lot of folks' minds is just a myriad of issues ranging from healthcare to the digitization of the workplace to issues and overcoming policies regarding sexual harassment and so much more. Um, Again, I just kind of have one sliver of that pie, but the purview of the folks that I have the luxury and privilege of working with is pretty extensive. Um, but again, if I had to kind of synthesize it down into a handful, those would be those would be the ones that initially kind of cropped to mind. That's incredible. So as they kind of work through some of those things, what are some of the ways that you're kind of helping uh, helping them or, or can you elaborate on, on some of the ways that uh, you know, some of those things are kind of playing out? Well, the one that I could elaborate on, but not in too much detail, is really around the work that we're doing and just better understanding this emerging market of vendors. And again, you know, we've seen a huge injection of venture capitalists behind these 
companies that can provide some kind of platform, some kind of software system that can either bolt onto an existing ATS or can operate independently to improve efficiencies, again, in the overall hiring lifecycle that an applicant may have, and then also how to better improve potentially uh, some of the processes related to internal mobility. And, and so what I mean by that is if you look at the market a year ago, you could probably identify a few hundred software vendors that are incorporating artificial intelligence into a technology to improve an efficiency. They're all using the same nomenclature. They're all saying, oh, I can harness the power of AI and I can implement that into your system and improve efficiencies. And when you kind of go, okay, that's interesting, but it's pretty broad stroke. What are you really talking about? It gets much, much more thorny once you get past the surface. And so what we've done with this initial initiative is, it, is that we've reached out and dove in head first to try and de-muddy the water for the association's membership better understand when one company says they harness the power of AI, they harness the power of AI or what we've really kind of boiled down and seen is really kind of intelligent automation. Once they've harnessed that, they're really helping a company with scheduling and communication. And that could mean scheduling interviews with an entry level candidate or an intern to alleviate some of that administrative burden off of what potentially could be a small hiring and recruiting team at one of these, one of these organizations. You could then also look at another organization that's harnessing the power of AI, and they're doing some really intuitive things around adaptive learning and machine learning and computer learning to drive efficiencies in the way that let's source through a pool of potential candidates and identify the ones that out of the stack of a thousand may be the first two dozen that you wanna have conversations with, or maybe the first two dozen resumes that you wanna look through before you start sifting through the pack to identify some of the ones that may float to the top. And in doing that, they are trying to utilize the entire spectrum of data that's now become available to them um, to make those decisions as accurate as possible. And so what's been unique is, and one of the things that we've been seeing across the past year and a half, two years in HR is they're taking a more quantitative approach as opposed to a qualitative approach because they are now looking into the data that's providing them with feedback that's really ones and zeros. Let's look at performance data. Let's look at some of this hiring data. Who's truly successful and why? They're now accessing that in a much more intelligent way and utilizing it to make better decisions. Well, wow, that's see that all of that is so fascinating to me because you're right. We're, we're going growing going from a qualitative to a quantitative uh, society and one that we are constantly trying to put a number and a digit next to someone's job performance capability, uh, hireability. Even, uh, you know, do you give this person a pay raise? Do you give them a promotion or not? And the ways that we're able to track now are so various and diverse. I think that that's absolutely incredible and uh, absolutely fascinating. Thanks for sharing that, Mike. Um, shifting gears a little bit, you know, the other project that you're heavily involved with, Jobopedia, uh, is all about giving career advice away to people that are entering the workplace and I know because I've looked at the site a few times, millennials are still a huge topic of conversation in the workplace. And uh, I'm sure that you continue to have interactions with recruiters that are both positive and negative. What are you hearing about this new generation that continues to and is already uh, flooded the workplace? What, what are kind of some of the, the good, bad and ugly that you're hearing? You know me, man. I'll stay. I'll stay as positive as I can be, and as an antique millennial myself, I, I don't want to hate 
like some of the uh, journal articles are doing on on our generation, David. But uh, to me, when I read those articles, it, it kind of rubs me the wrong way um, because you know if you just you take a entire generation and you generalize them in broad strokes, I don't think I can really take you that seriously. Um, you know what's interesting though is the positive effect that millennials are having on the workforce is they're pushing employers to rethink the, some of their policies. They're forcing employers to look externally in terms of how can I attract the best talent? And does that mean offering a flexible schedule or a remote work environment or a more attractive work environment to make sure that people come in and enjoy where they come on a day-to-day -day basis so that they can interact positively and efficiently with their peers? Um, so in that, it is forcing a lot of the conversations, especially at the higher level, around how can we attract and keep talent? Because one of the things that you're seeing today is a growing number of leapfrogging, where a lot of individuals are taking two years at a corporation and then going someplace else, whether or not it's for a pay increase or, or just a different opportunity to take on a different challenge. But what these employers are seeing is this kind of exodus after two years, and what they're thinking about is, how can we really drive some unique policies to make the people stay, to make the individuals have a long-term career with our organization? And uniquely, when you see an employee stay, I think it's around five years, that's usually locked in. They're not probably going to go anywhere else. And I'm not saying that that's a threshold that these employers are trying to reach. It's just more along the lines of how can you create an environment that's attractive enough for somebody to stay long-term and at the same time understand that there's opportunity for growth. There's opportunity for promotion. Um, once you get a senior director uh, level position, is that where you're stopping? And that's where you're going to be for the rest of your life at 40 years old? I don't know. And so these are some of the things that they're thinking about. Um, to give kind of the ugly, the negative, uh, you know me, again, I won't go down that rabbit hole too much. But um, what's been unique in the kind of theme that I'm giving is it's the perspective of feedback. And what I've seen is in um, some of the kind of more older generations, they are a little bit wary of feedback. They're worried about the performance review. They're worried about the critical uh, comments that they may get on a piece of paper. Whereas I've seen a lot of the millennial generation run towards that. Tell me what I've done wrong. I want constant information feedback. And in, if you're looking at it in terms of kind of a double-edged sword, that constant need for uh, approval, if you, if you will, can be a little bit wearing and trying. Um, whereas though, the fact that they are looking for that kind of feedback to me shows that they wanna grow, they wanna develop, they wanna adapt, they wanna to perform to the best of their ability. And frankly, if somebody is approaching my workforce like that, I'd, I'd love to have them on board because uh, I know that they're trying to uh, make our world better. Wow, I didn't know that we had a preacher on. Uh, no, that's. I think that you're right, Mike. Um, <laughs> I, I think that there's this this misplaced uh, belief towards, and you've said it appropriately, our generation, that uh, you know we don't care that there's not this desire to do good, and that we aren't invested. I, I think that the millennial generation actually is extremely invested. They're just looking for something different. And that, that makes me want to ask you something because I, I you, you kind of are on the, the far edges of quote unquote millennial generation. What do you do you believe this is just a phenomenon that happens with every generation entering the workforce that the the previous generations are just old, crotchety, stuck in their ways? Sorry, that that sounds kind of negative. I, I, what I mean by that is when Gen X came about, did they get the same thing from the boomers? And when the boomers were there, I mean it just feels like this has happened every 
generation that the previous generation or generations aren't really sure how to relate to the the new kid on the block and what they want out of a job. Uh, do you think that there's a pattern there? Do you see that? Or do you think that this is unique to where we're at right now in 2018? Uh, I don't know. It's a tough, good question, Dave. Um, it might be a little bit of both. I'm sure every generation has teased or criticized the future generation. I think what's unique about the millennial generation is we were on the riding wave of all these new technologies, all these new ways of approaching and thinking and doing things. I mean, the fact that I can send a note out to somebody in Bangladesh today and get a response back in two minutes is pretty phenomenal. Um, not to mention just the growing landscape of virtual environments, being able to pull up an application like Slack and interact with a team that's in five different cities on five different time zones and operating on the exact same project at the exact same time is pretty revolutionary. So in terms of something like that, we are seeing this growing arc of a changing world and a changing workforce and a changing environment in terms of how work is getting done. Um, and to kind of go back to what you had mentioned about the millennial generation, you know, I was listening to a or I was at a conference where Ron Fournier, the great journalist, I think he now writes for National Journal, does some freelance as well, but he followed the Bush and Clinton administrations. And what he was saying about the millennial generation, and one of his observations was 30, 40 years ago, if you saw a problem in your community, what's the first thing you do? You probably go to your state administrator, you go to your state representative, you go to somebody in your state house of legislation to see if something could be done. Whereas nowadays, millennials, with all the technology, with all the information at their fingertips, instead of 40 years ago, shaking your fists at the person, most of the millennials just shrug their shoulders and go, you know what, I can figure out a workaround to make this right. And I may not have to go to government. I may not have to go to my state fed um, to work this out. And so that's the other unique take is a lot of the millennials put some of this stuff on their shoulders. And they say, if I can make the world a better place, this is how I'm going to do it. And what's great in that is it's this spirit of entrepreneurship. It's the spirit of enterprise, of developing something new and unique. But at the same time, and again, I'm not diminishing any great ideas, sometimes a 22-year-old or a 21-year-old just simply doesn't have the experience or expertise on how to drive something like that home. Yes, you do have your rare instances. And yes, you do have your rare occurrences. But at the end of the day, being able to come together to collectively form a solution to a very difficult conundrum like what we're facing today with this digitization of the workforce is truly fascinating. And I think, you know, it'll be unique to see how this all kind of pans out across the next five and 10 years. All right, I'm going to stop Mike right there. We'll get back to him in just a second. In the meantime, I'm going to bring you a word from our sponsor. This episode of HR Insiders is brought to you by PC Housing. PC Housing caters to business travelers and their families by providing tailored temporary housing solutions that are less like a corporate apartment and more like a home. With anytime check-in, flexible lease terms, and personalized welcome grocery packages for their guests, PC Housing provides the amenities you need to be at your best. This month only, make a reservation of 30 or more days with PC Housing and receive a $400 American Express gift card free. You can take advantage of this great offer by going to our website, hrinsiderpodcast.com. That's hrinsiderpodcast.com. Relax and know PC Housing backs its services with the risk-free PC Housing Guarantee. 
If you're not happy, they'll do all they can to make it right or provide a refund immediately. PC Housing. Stop searching. Start booking. Now, back to Mike. Yeah. Wow. Man. I love, I've loved everything that you've said so far, Mike. That's shocking. Um, <laughs> all right. So um, are you ready for our rapid fire questions? This is what we ask. No, everyone I, the- I am not. I am not <laughs> ready for these rapid fire questions. I've heard these. I listen to them and I am very nervous. So I will do my best, but judge away, judge away. Uh, these are all opinion based, so you can have fun with them. Um, but they, they, they definitely give us all an insight into you which is always interesting to talk to successful people like yourself and to hear what's uh, helped you get there. So uh, first question is what's the best business advice you've ever received? Invest in yourself and try and be as autonomous as you can be in whatever work environment you're within. Mm. Um, And the other one that I'll also say is first impressions really do go a long way. Um, and I thought it was an anecdote that my grandmother had provided to me, but it's actually carried true. And, and why I think that third one is uniquely important is if you make a good first impression and you screw up a little bit later on down the line with that client, with that individual, they'll cut you some slack. Oh man, Mike was having a bad day. Give him, give him a break. I know he's a really strong individual. He'll get this turned around. Whereas if you give a bad impression and you screw up a couple of weeks later or a few years later or months later, Usually that person's going to go, (laughs) I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. This was a no good person. And this just (laughs) proved my initial thought. So again, on those first impressions, do everything that you can. And I think in today's, you know, work environment, the more respectful, attentive and conscientious you can be, the better first impression you're going to give. If you can show that you care about the conversation, if you can show that you have some vested interest in the discussion, it's going to go a long way. That's good. That's really, really good. All right. This is the one that I love asking and everyone hates responding to. What's something you're spending too much time on right now? Now I got I got a few projects running, and my wife went out and got a puppy a couple of weeks ago. So I'm spending a lot of time with Coco, and uh, <laughs> she's been she's been taking up a good amount of my time. But uh, but I guess that's that's better than having a third child uh, in my eyes, because I do love my little two babies, but they are a handful. So I guess I'm spending too much time with my little pupper pupper Coco, French bulldog, with uh, a and she's she's adorable. So that's awesome. It. That's awesome. All right. So what do you need to spend more time doing? All the other projects I'm leaving behind because I'm sitting with Coco. Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, some more time doing. I think what I need to do a better time doing is giving myself a chance to breathe. Um, and it goes into the work-life balance. Uh, like I mentioned, I, I do have a lot going on, a lot of projects running. Some of them are kind of coming to conclusion, which is phenomenal to see. But um you know, working seven days a week for 12 to 14 hours. And then kind of when you finish up, you go in and you do the family life, you really don't leave time for yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. So if I could spend some, you know, some more time on kind of me and my wife and my family, I, I think I'd kind of, I'd, I'd dovetail into that. Yeah. Love that, man. Love that. Well, all right. So uh, easier one, what's the best book you've read that's helped you in your career? Um, early on in my career, I'd recommend Joe Navarro's book, What Every Body is Saying. 
and it's a really good take on nonverbal cues. Uh, again, I majored in communication, focus on nonverbal, and it was one of the books that I read shortly after graduating school that really just kind of struck a chord with me in that just pay attention to how people act around you. Pay attention to the nonverbal cues because those nonverbal cues are harder to hide. And you kind of get a better sense, especially when you're reading a room, if you're doing a pitch, if you're doing a conversation, if you're trying to sell something or close up a contract, being able to read what's not being smoked, spoken is vital to you. Um, another couple books that, that I'd also recommend, one that I actually just finished up, but I think it came out several years ago is Sapiens by Yuval Hattari. Um, and it's just a really interesting take on just us as a species, us as a human body, if you will. And it goes through, you know, how our brains developed because we discovered fire, which allowed us to digest food. And he has some other interesting kind of, uh, you know, uh, I guess I should say theses within his book that I found really, really interesting. Um, and then the last that I'm actually about halfway through, um, and it's been striking a good chord with me, is a book called Big Magic. Um, and it's Elizabeth Gilbert. I was hesitant to read this one. It was actually on my on my book list for a few months, uh, but, but picked it up over the summer because she's an individual, the author that wrote the great Eat, Pray, Love. But what Big Magic emphasizes is the ability to take risks into things that you came up with. Um, and kind of the entrepreneurial spirit of a lot of people kind of don't dive in on good ideas because either they don't know how to do it or they're just wary that it's going to end up crumbling in front of them and kind of having that opportunity. And it's the old Wayne Gretzky, you miss a hundred shots that you don't take, or it might've been Michael Jordan, but you know, it's kind of the theme of that book and it's been really interesting. So, so I gave you a three, even though I know these are <laughs> rapid fire questions. No, so I like it. I guess, in, I guess in post, you can pick the one that makes the most sense. <laughs> no, I think all three of those are great. And uh, the first one we've never had on before. So that was really interesting. And then the only one that I've read is, uh, is actually big magic. And I agree, a uh, fantastic, amazing book. And if you're a listener and you've haven't picked that one up yet, I, I sincerely recommend it. I know uh, I read it. I raved about it. I actually gave it to my wife and she loved it. And it kind of spurred on a lot of action on her side so yeah that's uh that's great mike that's great all right so last last question in this rapid fire section what are you most looking forward to accomplishing over the next year um well that's a good question um what am i looking forward to accomplishing over the next year really just making sure that i'm keeping all of those who want to be happy as happy as i can um, and what I mean by that is the projects that we're doing, the initiatives that we're running with the association and the foundation um, that we're performing to the best of our ability within that membership pool. Uh, a couple of other projects, making sure that they are um, as happy as they can be with the output of work that we're providing to them. And then also making sure that uh, my family and my, uh, my little dogs around my house are are also happy. And I know that that's kind of a pie in the sky stretch, especially for any of the moms and dads listening to the podcast, you know, you can't make the whole happy family, but if you can make four out of five or five out of six happy, you've kind of won the war. And that's, that's what I'm hoping to accomplish is making sure that we can keep everybody um, on top of, on top of things and also, also feeling good. Love that. Love that, man. Well, Mike, I, I really appreciate you being on the podcast and, and sharing your expertise with our listeners. If people uh, wanted to check out more about what you're doing or more about some of the projects that you're consulting on, uh, where could they do that? 
You can go to jambapedia.org, definitely check it out if you want to find some more information out about uh, HR policy, hrpolicy.org. It's a great association, leading public policy firm comprised of chief human resource officers from some of America's largest companies. Like I mentioned, they tackle a variety of issues. It's a great team that we have over there. Um, and uh, yeah, they can look that up. And as always, you can look me up, Mike McGinnis. I'm on LinkedIn. Always happy to connect with anybody via the messenger. Um, and you can always shoot me an email, mike at jambapedia.org or connect with me via LinkedIn and we can connect offline. Um, but otherwise, Dave, always fun chatting with you, bud. Um, this is actually less structured and formal than we usually do it. So it's been a nice change of pace. But, uh, <laughs> but all joking aside, uh, really, really appreciate you carving out time and glad I could be helpful on your podcast. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for jumping on, man. Thanks for jumping on. Mm-hmm.